0: Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So, friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them, and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise? Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Okay, friends, welcome back. Bob Mosier here, one of your co-hosts of the Performance Matters series. As I was introduced a moment ago, great having you back. We hope you are enjoying this. My gosh, we're creeping up on our 40th episode. Sure would appreciate feedback on what you think, topics you'd like to hear covered. We are open to any and all of that and would appreciate how these are working for you because that is clearly the intent. I am honored today to be joined by one of my dear colleagues in this journey, been with me forever in this. She is a rock star, in my opinion. Anytime I talk about those who are instructional designers in this, there's no one better in the world, in my opinion, than uh, Miss Sue Reber. So, Sue, welcome. Good to have you here.
1: Hi, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for that nice compliment, too.
0: (laughs) It is well-earned, my friend. It is well-earned. Your work... uh, amazes me as I see you do it. So, Sue, why don't we start with this, which is normal to these things. I'm not a big intro guy and reading bios and stuff. Give us a little bit of your journey, if you wouldn't mind, in getting here um, to where you are, this wonderful uh, developer that you've become.
1: Well, I started out with you a really long time ago at Logical (laughs) Operations. (laughs) I won't even say how long ago, right? Yeah, I know. My gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really long time. As an instructional designer. And actually, I started my career as a high school and middle school English teacher. And I really loved education, but I didn't like the stuff that went along with it. So I wanted to do something else that would allow me to write and use my education background. And wow, instructional design is like perfect, right? Yep. (laughs) So that's how I wound up at Logical Operations. And it's just been a journey since there. I mean, we walked together through. Walking into performance based, really getting into performance based and case-based learning at logical operations. And then we went to intuitive where we really were deeply involved in performance support and from there on to apply synergies, where this is what we do is the five moments of need.
0: It's been remarkable to watch you evolve, Sue and all that I didn't I have known you through that whole journey. You were steeped in the traditional model, if I may call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, you taught others, you managed others who did that. And even with all that, it was just remarkable to see the light bulb come on for you and see you shift openly, which candidly, I don't think everyone does, to this new way and and evolve into a leader in this as well in our organization and, and guiding others and our clients in doing this and their instructional designers, designers in doing this. So, Sue, so it, it's obviously something we're both passionate about. It's something we both believe in. Uh, I believe in this as much as I believed in any approach to instruction that I've been involved in, similar background to you, back to public education. So 1990, Gloria Geary, we've referenced her before. She wrote a remarkable book in 1991, Electronic Performance Support Systems, EPSS as we call them now. So my gosh, so 1991, been around forever. We could build it then. What do you think has been the reason why it hasn't worked it didn't it didn't get traction with her candidly we've been waving the banner for years can you give us in your journey or your opinion and you work with zillions of organizations that want to do this why are we not ahead of where we are today in your opinion
1: i think that we have a lot of people in our industry who are very steeped in learning and this requires a different mindset and it's very difficult Some people can do it quickly, but for most people, and especially I would say leadership, learning and development leadership, they have a very difficult time flipping the switch from training to performance support. Mm. That's my take on it.
0: And why do you think that is? I mean, I'm going to push you a little bit on this because we're, we're, you know, it's funny because those same people would say, well, of course, we're in the performance business. That's what we want to be the outcome. Why do you think it's been so hard for IDs? You mentioned one as we were preparing for this, but you mentioned one that actually worked with us Mm -hmm. in those organizations you mentioned, and to this day still struggles. When you work with him or you counsel him and others that he works with, what do you think are the common switches he can't flip?
1: It's a misunderstanding of what performance is and looking at it from feeling like you can get to performance- From knowledge alone.
0: Hmm. I love that. You know, it's funny because I was having a conversation with an organization that we're working with, and you'll love the suit. They mentioned as I was going through this, they said, Well, wait, wait, we can't do this because we have so much they need to know before they can do.
1: Yep. That's the most common thing that I hear is
0: not that amazing? And I said, I said, What what do you mean? I said, Oh my gosh, there's just so much our subject matter experts feel that these learners have to know. Before we dare let them touch or do anything. So we have these, listen to this, three to five day knowledge courses. Three to five day long knowledge courses that cover SOPs and processes and legalities and all these things. Why do we come at it from this no first thing? Why don't we get that that's meaningless without context?
1: I think that people are afraid. So they think that they are providing the context. Hmm. Right. So they think if I give you all of this knowledge, then I'm providing you with the context for you to be able to do
0: the job. That's what I see. Boy, so that's really a remarkable insight because to us, context is the workflow. They're equating context to knowledge alone without that context of the workflow. Yep. Hmm. So this one's going towards a technology matters series one of our many subcategories or focuses. And you and I are both in agreement that if I'm going to build e-learning, I need an e-learning authoring environment. I'm not going to build e-learning with PowerPoint. It's all about if I'm going to build a house, I'm not going to saw a board with a hammer. I'm going to buy the right tool. And it's a struggle in this world to get people to see the power of what is called an EPSS authoring environment. So organizations have the capability to build and implement an EPSS within their organization. What do we mean by that when we say the capability of building an EPSS?
1: I think that if you flip that switch and think about what is it that people need to do and really break it down into job tasks, you can build and implement that EPSS capability into anything. You can build it in Word, you can build it in SharePoint. We've built in tons of different things.
0: But how do I make sure that I make those things do what an EPSS can do?
1: That's all about the design, right? Mm. The design is is really critical and you have to think through, especially if you're not going to use a traditional EPSS software. You need to really think about what is it that people need to be able to do? How do they need to be able to get to it to what they need to do? And how can you make sure that they only have what they need and they are not buried in details that they don't need,
0: mm. but that okay. they can
1: get to those details?
0: So it is, it's principle-based. We have to understand those principles to have these tools do what they do. Yes, I think so. So if I want to have an organization get there, I'm a learning leader listening to this, and I get the idea that I'm not going to make e-learning without captivate or without the appropriate tool. I don't want to use PowerPoint to make you learning. But I also have an organization that's resistant to buy, maybe even today, or buy anything they don't understand. Because I'm in the early stages of getting my organization to even buy into the principles of performance support or five moments, let alone laying out the monies to buy a tool to build it. So how does an organization evolve their way to a fully functioning EPSS technology framework? If I'm a leader, what's my plan in getting there, knowing that that's the end game, but I may have to take some baby steps to get there?
1: I think you have to start where you are. And pretty much it's that way with everything, right? What can I do with what I have? You need to really dig into what is an EPSS? What do I mean by that? What can it do? How can it help me? You need to really understand what the principles are behind performance support. Mm. Then. Once you really have that down, and that really does take some research and really thinking through things, maybe you're going to take a look at your existing programs, and instead of looking at the training and thinking in terms of training, you're going to look at what do people need to be able to do, and you're going to maybe pick some small little piece of that, and you're going to develop a proof of concept using the software that you have, whatever it is, whether it's SharePoint or it's Microsoft Word or it's PowerPoint, which I wouldn't recommend, (laughs) Confluence, Microsoft Teams, Smartsheets, pretty much whatever you have, figure out how you can best use it. You need to understand that there are limitations because you're not using performance support software, right? You're using something that is not intended for performance support. You're making it work in a way it's not intended to. So there's going to be some limitations to it. You're going to use that proof of concept. And share it with people. I would share it with the people doing the work. See what they think about it. And that's going to help you make your business case. And then once you have your business case, maybe you'll be able to build out the rest of the performance support. And implement it. And gather the data. Like, how is it affecting how we do the work? And then you can then you can begin to scale it.
0: Brilliant. So, so let's talk about your experience, So for a bit. Because you've remained so true to the principles, I've seen you build remarkable things with lesser tools. You and I both admit they're not what, what we would prefer to build in, but I've seen you do just remarkable things. In your journey in doing that, so people who are, again, going to try to dip their toe into this, what are some of the limitations they should anticipate when they use those lesser tools? When In your work, what have you run into – that if we'd gone with an EPSS authoring tool to begin with, what we're dealing with right now wouldn't be a problem. But, you know, we've got to, to build a business case. Again, we're, I get where we're going. But what I'm trying to help here is those listening, they want to, in, in building that business case, to go to that next level, get that dollar sign, get that buy-in to buy the thing. They have to be realistic in understanding what their team's going to come up against, what they're trying to fight the battle for, and frankly, might want to expose intentionally some of these limitations to go, see, we can't can't do that because we used X. What's been your experience of some of those limitations you've run into that you have to work around?
1: I think it it depends on what it is that you need to use to build the performance support because that's going to determine what the limitations are. So, for example, if I'm using SharePoint to build performance support, the critical thing is to try to make it so that it's not going to be a nightmare to maintain. Right. Mm. And frequently that's the deal with SharePoint is that we've got all of this stuff and it's a great place to keep things, but it's not structured very well. And so we can't find things afterwards when you design performance support for SharePoint, you really have to think about what are the documents that I'm going to need? How do I need to get access to them? How am I going to build my pages How am I going to build the structure behind the scenes so that I can be able to actually maintain this performance support with a minimal amount of effort? And I think that a lot of times, one of the biggest limitations is managing the relationships between the pieces in a performance support solution. Because, for example if you think about our pyramid, you start with the context with the workflow or the roles or however it is that people need to get to the tasks that they do. Mm -hmm. And then you need to drill down to the tasks. And we say we want those tasks to be quick steps and detailed steps. And I want you to be able to get to the quick steps quickly. So if that's all you need, you can get in, get those quick steps and get back to work. If you need details for any of those steps, I want you to be able to drill down to that without too much trouble, yeah. <laughs> two clicks, 10 seconds, yeah. and then get out. So I, I want you to be able to go only as far as you need to, but have access to everything you need with the task so that you don't have to go searching in 15 different folders in SharePoint to find what you need. Hmm. And I think that's pretty much the case with anything that's not performance support, because the performance support software helps make those relationships for you.
0: It's funny because as we talk about a lot, Sue, that we always kept our training current, but currency in performance support takes on a whole different meaning. We can have versions of a course that will release next quarter or will release the next time we bring people to the class or the next upgrade of the software. But performance support is only as helpful in the workflow as the information is correct. So I think L&D is blindsided by content management in its truest form and maintenance, because you can build that first EPS fairly quickly in probably anything. Right. But it rears its ugly head when information changes or you have to keep things current or the or the information you're linking to is owned by another content owner or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Governance around all of that in anything shy of a true authoring environment that manages versioning and all those things really becomes the harder part of this long term. Yep. So, Sue, if you had to give advice to somebody trying to do this themselves, trying to win this battle, What's the optimum scenario for you that you think they should make a case for in doing this right that's going to get them to the finish line the quickest?
1: I think just building something and making a case, right? Building something to showcase. If you can find a champion that will support helping you build out a proof of concept that you can implement and then have people use, I think that's probably going to be the quickest way to get there. And, and if you can measure it, this is another, I think, another critical piece. If you can measure it and show that mm-hmm. it's having an effect, that there's positive impact, either there's reduced training, there's increased proficiency or something like that, whatever you can measure and prove with metrics, a lot of times that will, I think, help.
0: You've worked with a lot of tool vendors that really map to the pyramid uh, our true EPS authoring environments. When I've seen you do your work, an approach I've seen you take is to actually build two different EPSSs.
1: Absolutely, because they all have different strengths. And what is going to be the best performance support software is going to be different for different organizations. Some have better reporting. Some have better ways to link the content together some have better ways to link in the training pieces of it the learning pieces and it really depends on what the project is what the organization is like and what their needs are what is the best performance support software
0: Mm. so if you built in word or you built in sharepoint a strategy could be to also build in a tool Absolutely. And have the comparison. I think it's important for our audience to understand is that what we have learned in our work is that these players understand all these frustrations in the space. This is what they're trying to sell to every day. And we have found them to be pretty amicable about working with us in building out that first POC because they understand they have to prove their worth. And so they've allowed us to use our own licensing to those products. They've allowed us to do them even for free understanding the value of the of the back end of proving their worth because mm-hmm. it's a very different world and it's not frankly as mature it's not as commonly budgeted for or expected as an lms or some of these other areas that the buy may be a little easier or quicker
1: mm-hmm. i mean we always try even if we're going to build in sharepoint or word or something some existing software that a company has I would always encourage also building in a performance support software because it really is good to be able to see that. And even if the organization decides not to go with it immediately, down the road, they likely will. Yeah, I've seen that over and over in our customers. And they're like, okay, we want to use SharePoint because we have it already. Mm-hmm. And they get a year down the road and they go, wow, this is a lot of work to maintain and we really want it embedded in the software or we really want it available on a mobile phone, you know, on a tablet or whatever. And so then the performance support software becomes a better option for them and it helps that they've already seen it. Now they have an understanding of what benefit they get from the performance support through their SharePoint implementation. And they also know what it's going to look like and how it's going to work if they move to performance support.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the bigger ones, too, Sue, is that people ultimately want an ecosystem of these things. They don't want two. They want 100. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they want them to be interplayed and they want them to share data and they want them to talk to each other and they want them to be a part of an overarching dashboard or whatever. And that's really when you're getting into a true enterprise kind of a system that's when the value and the money and the, at that point, minimal investment you put in to get the maximum return is really where they, where they get back what they, what they want. Right. It's a different beast. It's been a different Mm -hmm. flip for you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Sue is always remarkable. Your insights are like few have so appreciate your experience and for dragging me along on the journey here and all the great work that you do for our customers and for the industry at large by your willingness to share your expertise. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matter series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at bmosh as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is number five moments of need.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.